There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. Imad Estimalik. Dr. Estimalik is a headache specialist in the Center for Neurological Restoration and Section Head for Headache and Facial Pain here at Cleveland Clinic. And today, we are talking about headaches. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Sure thing. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not, inten- it's not intended to replace your own physician advice. So before we jump into the topic, I'm going to ask you some questions off topic sure. to get to know you better. Yeah. All right. So how many languages do you speak? So I, I grew up in Egypt, uh, so my first language is Arabic, of course, mm-hmm. but born and raised uh, for my uh, first six years of life in Germany, so German was my second language. Uh, of course, I was taught English at school, so that became my third language. By middle school, we took French uh, at school, so that was my fourth language. And then when I came to the U.S. Wow. and met my wife, who is uh, uh, of Mexican heritage, so I learned Spanish. So wow. by now, five languages. Wow, proficient yep. like in all of them? Well, I think my French is kind of you know going into an area of the brain that I can't, can't <laughs> get anymore. It anymore. Spanish, I'm getting much better, but uh, still very... Uh, uh, very efficient in both uh, uh, German and Arabic, and of course English. That's amazing. <coughs> Good for you. How about the best food you've ever had? Uh, I gotta go with Middle Eastern food uh, mm-hmm. since also some of the healthiest foods. So I would say uh, shishtawuk and tabula would oh, be you know my favorite. Yeah. Yes. All right. And what about uh, the best concert you've ever been to? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, probably going back in time, uh, growing up in Egypt, uh, it was two thousand and six. Just a year before I moved to the U.S., uh, Shakira was doing a Middle East uh, tour, and she came to Egypt, and she held one of her conferences by the pyramids. Wow. And one of the most magnificent concerts I've ever wow. been at. Wow. Lights up and Lights everything. everywhere. They lit the pyramids. Uh, for anyone who's ever been to the pyramids, really, we, uh, they host a lot of concerts uh, by the pyramids. Pink Floyd was actually just there. Wow. Uh, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. So Shakira by the pyramids, that's something I'll never forget. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go back into topic. Sure. So <laughs> according to the International Headache Society, there yeah. are over 150 headache categories. Yeah. So for practical purposes, let's just talk about the most common right, <laughs> primary right. ones during this podcast. But first I want to ask you who suffers more? Uh, frequently from migraine headaches, would it be a man or woman? So it is actually women, and uh, uh, we know the data, and if we go by prevalence, 20% of women roughly have migraines versus 6 to 8% of men. So definitely uh, women tend to be more affected than men. So why is that? So basically it comes down to the uh, uh, hormonal factor, Mm. and uh, it tends to be really the fluctuation of uh, hormones that, uh, that play a huge role in migraines. That's why women, mainly during childbearing age, anywhere from, uh, you know, by the time they uh, start their menstrual cycle till menopause, it is the time they have uh, the vast majority of their migraines. Usually they do improve after uh, menopause because then you have a steady level of hormones. So it is, mm. it is the hormonal component. You said 20% of 20%, women have migraines. Yeah, 20% of women have migraines. 
less than 10%, somewhere between 6 and 8% of men. Wow. So definitely double the amount. That's you know. Huge. Yeah. 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 So I would like to talk a, a little bit about the most common types of headaches yeah. Yeah. and you know what they're called, where they're located, yeah. Yeah. how long they last, all, ki all kinds of stuff. So first of all, most common one is tension Absolutely. headache. So, so what is the tension so headache? Tension type headache definitely is? are... The it's the most common type. It is typically also a headache that we don't see often in clinic because, uh, again, it's easily unmanageable and self-manageable. A lot of primary care physicians take care of headaches, mm -hmm. but it is the usual headache that uh, every one of us usually tends to experience. So it is, you know, basically a pressure. It could last anywhere from half an hour to, you know, a few hours. Not really severe. Uh, people can really go on with their lives. No nausea, no vomiting. Uh, typically not much uh, lighter sound sensitivity. So unlike migraines, it is not debilitating headache, not severe enough. And really patients report, you know, usually periods of, you know, time where they have uh, an increased frequency of these headaches when they are under stress uh, or there are other factors playing a role. But definitely tension type headaches tend to be the most common uh, type of headache that, that patients experience. So you said it's the most common, but then that's the uh, least amount of patients that you see. Is that because over-the-counter medication Exactly. So over-the-counter usually work. And it is not severe enough, and it doesn't raise a concern to patients or anybody uh, when they have that kind of headache to see a physician or any healthcare provider. So it's mild. You'd mild. It's very mild. Usually okay. mild to moderate, never hit severe. All Correct. right. So yeah. second one, migraines? Second one, migraines. And migraines tend uh, to be the most common type of headache that we typically see mm -hmm. In, uh, in our headache clinic, or even that primary care physician see. And as a matter of fact, headache uh, tends to be one of the two most common pain complaints that any physician encounters. Wow. So together with back pain, uh, these tend to be the two most common uh, pain complaints that uh, providers see. So migraines typically are more severe than tension type headaches. They last anywhere from a few hours, they, but they can go a wow. few days. So patients can sometimes go two to three days typically one-sided, but can also occur on both sides. So mm -hmm. patients usually uh, uh, don't think it is a migraine because it can occur on both sides, but that's not always the case. And then patients have these classic features. They'll get nauseous, they'll want to throw up. Sometimes they do. And then significant light and sound sensitivity, a throbbing sensation in the brain. And it is not, it, it, uh, these kind of headaches usually do not just simply respond to over-the-counter meds. So then they can mess with your quality of life, driving, Absolutely, absolutely. Like yeah, so they do. Uh, and really what determines how much it affects uh, someone's quality of life or, uh, you know, social activities is both the frequency of these migraines, how many a patient can get in a month, and also the severity. So how bad it gets. And, you know, it can really put people down from doing things, stopping what they're doing, having to be in, you know, a dark, quiet room, try to sleep it out. So that is when, 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 when this raises the, the concern for a migraine. And then over-the-counter medication doesn't work on this, so what kind of treatments? So typically over-the-counters don't completely abort such, uh, such okay. headaches. There are two ways really to manage migraines. A, uh, there are medications that we use to abort these headaches, and patients that get migraines uh, know about this. So one of the class of medications that we use are called the triptans. For instance, sumatriptan, rizatriptan, there are several drugs in that uh, family. But then if patients also have a high frequency, that means they have you know, 10, 15 headache days a month or more of migraines, uh, then typically we discuss with the patient a daily migraine preventive. And we can talk about that in detail a little bit, what kind of preventive strategy we use to reduce the frequency. Because sure. some patients will say it's not just one migraine a month or two migraines a month I'm getting, it's you know, 10 to 15. And that that can really affect somebody's quality of life. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, what about cluster headache? So cluster headache, 
definitely far less common than migraine and tension type headache. Typically, we see it more in men, so it doesn't affect women as much. And it is by far one of the most severe headache types in terms of the pain severity. So a patient will usually come and the presentation is pretty classic. It's always one-sided around the eye and patients will complain about like significant redness, droopy eye, nasal stuffiness, and really being agitated. Uh, some patients actually use the term uh, suicide headache for, for that. Wow. That is how really severe uh, this headache can, headache can be. Now, the good news about cluster headache, it does not occur as frequent as migraine in terms of you know, year, uh, year long. So typically it comes in cycles and patients will know, okay, I'm hitting my cluster cycle right now. So it can happen once a year, once every few years, can last a few weeks. And then we help the patients during that time to kind of reduce the, uh, the duration of the cycle and really abort these attacks early on with, with some treatments. Sure. And then you mentioned droopiness and color change. Yep. There's physical changes Absolutely. To your face. Yeah. We call them actually uh, autonomic symptoms where, you know, a teary eye occurs wow. and uh, a red eye and, uh, uh, again, some of some of these other symptoms, nasal stuffiness, runny nose, uh, and patients know about. I mean, they'll always know this is different right. from any kind of headache I've had, I've had before. And again, the treatment is 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 different than migraines, sure. but also the underlying uh, reason or the, what we call uh, pathogenesis for this headache is different than migraine as well. Right, and it's only one-sided. Only one-sided. That's sides. the classic thing about cluster headache. Mm -hmm. It is only one-sided. In fact. Uh, it hardly shifts side. So oh. patients that have had cluster headaches for many years, and when they get it in cycles, they actually know it's usually the right side or the left side. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, how about new daily? So new daily persistent headache is, um, and it, this is not a headache a lot of uh, people are familiar with, and it is, it is rare, we do see it, but the, the classic presentation with new daily persistent headache is that you can get a patient that uh, may have never had a history of headache, headaches before. And then out of the blue, you know, they say, well, I woke up one day or there was something that happened, for instance, like they had a viral illness or something. And then they, 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 uh, they're left with this constant ongoing headache that just doesn't subside. And something uh, very classic a patient says is, There's, I have some degree of daily 24-hour pain or discomfort in my head, and I get these uh, spikes of pain where it gets worse, and then I'm left again with a 24-hour uh, pain. And uh, for some, it's very hard to comprehend how come out of the blue, I just have a headache that doesn't go away. Right. Uh, we still don't understand the exact uh, pathogenesis of this headache. Again, it's rare, so we're fortunate that it doesn't affect too many people. Sure. But it is one of these headache types that we always take very seriously in terms of our workup and what kind of tests we need to run to rule out any secondary causes of headache. So another reason for, uh, you know, when patients describe, you know, I'm having the worst headache of my life, could be actually a ruptured aneurysm. Mm -hmm. And this is something that would require immediate uh, attention sure. because often, you know, the quicker you can get in with a provider, and that's usually a case where you gotta go to the emergency room, is the quicker we can get uh, a surgical intervention to fix this aneurysm. Typically, a ruptured aneurysm can present with, uh, you know, a severe, severe headache, mm -hmm. and it can present with some other neurologic signs as well. So, you know, a droopy eyelid, uh, you know, sudden, uh, uh, a weakness in, in, in one side of the body, uh, again, facial droop. So again, this is a major concern we often have when we hear, you know, the worst headache of, of my life or what we also describe as a thunderclap headache. Sounds good. And we'll get a little bit more into yes. treatments, yes. but I want to kind of talk about preventable measures Absolutely. for headaches yeah. in general. Yeah. 
So if you talk about preventable measures, so there's, and, and, and let's talk about migraines for, for, for a minute, because that tends to be the one headache disorder that usually uh, takes the bulk of preventive, uh, uh, the preventive strategy. So first you have, of course, you know, your typical uh, uh, daily preventives when a patient says, I have more than 15, 20 headache days a month. And this can vary. We use different kind of medication. Mm -hmm. So daily medication can vary from seizure meds to blood pressure meds to antidepressants. These are three classic families of drugs that we use to reduce headache or migraine frequency. Then we get into uh, the procedural aspect. And mm -hmm. uh, for a few years now, the FDA has approved uh, onobotulinum toxin or Botox injections. Mm -hmm. For, uh, for prevention of migraines as well. So this is typically a procedure that's done every 90 days. And we usually go to this uh, option when patients have failed uh, or tried already a few of the, of the oral preventives. Then as of last year, uh, we have three uh, drugs on the market that are injectable drugs. So this is the newest uh, sort of class or family of drugs that are used now for migraine preventions. They're called the monoclonal antibodies. And these are either monthly or quarterly injections that a patient can uh, administer themselves at home. And it's basically a very simple injection. And it acts on a receptor that we've studied for many years now. It's called the CGRP receptor. Uh, and it acts on that receptors in terms of reducing headache or migraine frequency. They've been on the market now. A lot of, it's been a uh, sort of life changer for a, lot, for a lot of patients. And we've seen great results with some of these drugs. So with these treatments, um, it depends on the frequency? Absolutely, it on yeah. Just how any preventive that, strategy yeah. always depends on the frequency. Okay. You never want to expose any patient to a procedure or a daily medication sure. if they don't need to. And sure. this is always the, the first discussion we have. There are really guidelines of when we bring up you know, a, the need for a daily medication. It's just like any other disorder. Right. You take diabetes. When do you want to start a daily drug is when you're... Uh, blood sugars are high that you need to kind of do something about it. Same with high blood pressure. When migraines or headaches affect somebody's quality of life and a patient says, you know what, you know, half the months or more I'm having a headache, uh, simple abortive medication or over-the-counter medication sure. don't do it. Sure. So that is one type of prevention that we do. The other type of prevention is also what kind of lifestyle modification a patient can do. Right. So this, this, this is where we usually have a good lengthy discussion about it. So one of course, is always diet modification. So we know there are certain food components or diet components that a patient can follow to reduce headache frequency. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. Sure. So diet is, uh, the big thing with migraine diet are usually two things, mm -hmm. uh, monosodium glutamate and nitric oxide. So we always tell patients to stay away from these two components and, okay. and to watch out for food uh, which has these two. So typical food like that is Chinese food, for instance. Mm -hmm aged cheeses, red wine, uh, ramen noodles, for instance, chocolate. So the li list goes wow. on. But the first thing I always tell a patient is you do not have to stop everything. Right. So it is basically in moderation. And patients are smart. They know, they often come and say, well, when I eat this, I get a migraine. And it, it kind of makes sense right. that there's certain triggers uh, in, 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 a, in a certain food type that can trigger these headaches. Sure. So really, we look at the list, we look at you know, what a patient likes to cons uh, consume or eat, and then we take it from there. Caffeine is, al always, uh, is also a big factor. 
too much caffeine is actually uh, bad for people with headaches or pe especially people who have migraines. How about too little caffeine? So, <laughs> so actually a good amount, which is usually anywhere between 100 to 150 milligram a day, mm -hmm. which would equal you know, a tall Starbucks, not a venti, <laughs> that can actually be uh, protective. Okay. So patients will say, you know, when I have my morning coffee, and we hear that from a lot of people, is that can actually help their migraines. So really the right amount of caffeine can also be uh, of benefit and to patients. for those patients. who don't know what the tall, because it is yeah. confusing. That's a small cup of coffee. That's a small cup of okay. coffee. Okay. Once you go into the uh, really large one, right. uh, you're talking four to 500 milligram. Wow. And that in itself is a lot wow. amount. Yeah. So Imagine all the sugar that you're Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, right. absolutely not. Then any caffeinated drinks, processed food, we try to tell patients to stay away from as well. Sure. So really it is uh, a good discussion we have. And a lot of patients do really well yeah. with, with this kind of lifestyle yeah. modification. And I like always to give patients a choice. We can first try what I call a conservative approach or conservative uh, sort of strategy. Mm -hmm. And then if that does it, then great. The less medication, the better. Exactly. But still, there are some patients, and we know approximately 2%, 2 to 4% of patients with migraines will go into what's called chronic migraine. Hence, a preventive medication mm -hmm. is needed. Sure. But you always want to take it one step at a time, especially sure. with young patients where you're trying to avoid, um, you know, a da daily medication or even, you know, older patients who may already be on a lot of meds and you don't necessarily want to add more. Sure. And then how about dehydration? Sometimes I don't get a lot of headaches, yeah. but when I do get those tension headaches, yeah. I find that water yeah. Will, yeah. will literally yeah. fix the situation. So two things. So A... Uh, the right amount of hydration is crucial in terms of being uh, protective against migraines or headaches and then also not skipping meals. Mm -hmm. So really, uh, you know, having your breakfast, lunch and dinner and really at right intervals, right amount is also uh, uh, of great benefit. So, again, definitely hydration and uh, and, uh, you know, the, ki the kind of diet regimen they follow. Now, I read somewhere that increasing magnesium intake would help. So typically magnesium oxide is one of the over the counter uh, medications that we add in terms of reducing uh, migraine frequency. And there are really three over-the-counters that based on our studies we know uh, can help. Magnesium is one of them, anywhere at four to 500 milligram. Vitamin B2 mm -hmm. can also be very protective uh, and, and can reduce uh, migraine frequency as well. And then a third one is coenzyme Q10. Yeah. So yeah, coenzyme where, where Q10. Do I get that? So co it, it, you can also get it over the counter. Supplements? Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those supplements. Uh, it's great for the heart. So okay. our friends in cardiology love that. Okay. Uh, uh, so again, over the counter, just like Mag and B2. So these three usually do uh, uh, can really help. And often patients prefer just to stay on over the counter supplements to right. reduce their headache frequency, right. and that often works. And then one important thing we didn't talk about is sleep. Yes. Sleep, and then I would think stress and sleep really go yeah. hand in hand. So. Sleep is one incredibly important element when it comes to headaches. And typically, if there's an underlying, and I like to call it undiagnosed mm -hmm. or unrecognized sleep disorder, it can have a tremendous effect on the amount of headaches or the frequency of headaches patients get. Sure. So really taking a good sleep history, and we do that. We even have some questions that patients ask before uh, they see us that kind of give us an idea if there is an uh, you know, underlying sleep disorder sure, or not. Sure. And typically you hear patients may say, you know, I wake up with a headache or, uh, you know, I wake up during, and when you hear I wake up during the night several times, this can already trigger the concern that there may, may be an underlying sleep disorder. And then really addressing this issue as well can have also great benefit in terms of reducing headache frequency. Right. So often these patients, you know, 
will have to undergo uh, a sleep study, sure. and then uh, we 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 kind of get a better idea if yeah. if there's a sleep condition and or you not. Tend to be more stressful when you have less sleep, and it's a absolutely. Cycle. So stress, so stress is one major element that we kind of struggle with a lot because again, everybody's uh, uh, life is is, is unique yes. and different, yes. and stress can vary from work to uh, family to uh, to uh, you know personal issues. So again, it's it's. And this is where really uh, sort of self-awareness, right. you know, really plays an important role. What can I do personally to kind of reduce my stress level? Sure. Uh, again, we're all very busy and, uh, you know, we're, we're often, uh, you know, consumed in our daily activities. Right. But yes, this is, this is one discussion we often have, sure. you know, about stress. Uh, another important element is, and this is something we always joke about, that that's something we can control, and that is the barometric pressure. Mm-hmm. So... And the, especially like you l- look at our weather in the past, uh, you know, few weeks, it is not uncommon that we go from 70, 80 degrees suddenly to 40, 40 or 50 yeah. degrees. Yeah. So it's not really the just hot or cold weather, yeah. but it's that pressure sudden itself. pressure change. Sure. So that so that's true when it absolutely. rains. It can oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause R- us to get rain aches. can cause that. Yeah. I hear that from a lot of yes. patients. So rain. But then again, really, the drop in temperature or the sudden rise in temperatures uh, plays an incredible role sure, in terms sure. of... Uh, and in Cleveland, we have tons of... Yes, it. yes. Yeah. So, like, simply today, we're, we're, we're about to reach 75, 76, and we were just less than 50, 48 hours right. ago. So, really, right. that sudden change uh, does affect people. Sure, does sure. affect people, yeah. Okay, I want to go back to the cluster headaches. I heard that um, cluster headaches are more common in smokers. That is true. Okay, yeah, yeah. let's talk a little bit about yeah, that. I mean, you yeah. think smoking would affect all of it, but yeah. why cluster? So, we don't understand exactly why... Uh, smoking tends to predispose uh, people with cluster headaches to having the disorder. But if you look at some data that we're familiar with, roughly 80% of patients with cluster do smoke. And there is a genetic sort of predisposition to cluster headache. And there are some studies that show that, you know, staying away or, or, or stopping smoking actually can reduce the, uh, uh, the frequency of the cluster cycles that a patient experiences. So smoking is one big component. Sure. The other component for cluster headache is also uh, alcohol. alcohol. So typically patients with cluster headaches know that the minute they consume any alcoholic beverage, it can trigger a cluster cycle. Wow. So many of my cluster patients, I'm always very strict about, you know, at least during a cluster cycle, you want to completely stay away from alcohol. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Zero, zero amount of alcohol. So that yeah, these two these two factors are definitely uh, you know Smoking a big player. Alcohol. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, how about if I'm getting a really bad headache? Yeah. Sometimes you know we think it's like a life-threatening disease, yes. a tumor. How do yeah. you know yeah. when it's just a headache, a bad headache that's coming and going, right. or it's something life-threatening? So this is one of the most common questions actually that that we get. Typically, uh, you know, if if anybody experiences what they call the worst headache of their life that always raises concern. Okay. So if somebody has no history of headaches and suddenly gets the worst headache of their life, uh, whether they have associated or you know, other neurologic symptoms mm-hmm. you know, with it or not, this should be investigated right away. Even if it's not consistent? Even if it's not consistent. So if, okay. if, if it is consistent, it's different. But if it's out of the blue, right. out of the blue and you know, somebody says, well, I just, this feels different, this was... I'm not familiar with headaches. I, you know, don't get them that often. And then they have the worst headache of their life. This requires the workup right away. Wow. If you look at a lot of data, typically headache alone, and this is something we always um, assure patients with, headache alone is not the sign of a brain tumor. Unless, unless it is uh, uh, manifests with other symptoms, right. you know, that could raise the concern, or if it takes different features. And let me go through that. 
So typically brain tumors present mainly with, you know, things like seizures, mm -hmm. cognitive changes, sudden numbness, sudden weakness in vision one side of their body, issues. vision changes. Uh, and then headache can be a hallmark as well. But headache alone wouldn't be the, the, the uh, wouldn't be the uh, uh, factor that raises concern. Yeah. Now, tumor. when when would it be right. if the headache takes features like, you know, it's it's mostly present in the morning, uh, you know, with significant nausea or vomiting. So something that would raise the concern for what we call increased intracranial pressure. Mm -hmm. If a patient says, you know, this headache is new, it worsens when I cough mainly or when I lay down, that also raises the concern. If a headache is locked primarily on one side with vision changes, that can raise a concern. But typically, again, uh, just you know, your regular headaches here and there shouldn't raise the concern of a brain tumor. Yeah, this is very good to yeah. know, and hopefully nobody yeah. ever has to go through that. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I read about, uh, I, I believe, a rare type of headache is that thunderclap headache. Yeah. So what is that? So thunderclap headache, um, it is a headache that we take very seriously. So. Uh, the best way to describe it is a sudden explosion, you know, or sudden uh, excruciating pain that occurs uh, in the head anywhere from a few seconds to a few minutes. And it is so severe that, you know, it, 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 it can bring somebody to tears. Okay. Uh, such headaches to us always require every kind of workup that, that, uh, 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 that is needed sure. to kind of rule out any secondary cause. So it goes from labs to uh, the appropriate brain imaging to look you know, at the brain in general, at the brain vessels, because there are secondary uh, causes that can cause you know, a thunderclap headache. Mm -hmm. uh, a condition like RCVS, for instance, reversible cerebrovascular uh, uh, constriction syndrome, uh, something like uh, you know, a subarachnoid hemorrhage, uh, something like a pituitary apoplexy. So there are a lot of secondary causes that can give you a thunderclap headache. So this is one of the headache disorders that always require uh, immediate workup as well. Okay. Yeah. So that is that is the worst headache of your life. Yeah, That's, so thunderclap headache be, would, you're right, absolutely right, right, that would fall in the category of, I just had the worst headache of my sure, life. Sure, yeah. So I read a lot of um, information about headaches yeah. in preparation for this. Yeah. So I, I read a cell phone headache. Yeah, yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> so... I mean, it sounds like it would be. So, sure. yeah, so again, there's there's a lot of uh, literature that talks now about like uh, cell phones and smartphones uh, being a reason for headache, but the data is not really consistent yet. Now we know that you know with frequent cell phone use or smartphone phone use, you are really exposed to a lot of electromagnetic waves. So there are some hypotheses that it can affect the blood-brain barrier, for instance, that okay. it can alter uh, you know the, the brain chemicals. But to really determine accurately, you know, the effect of phones or, you know, sitting in front of a screen, you got to look deeper in terms of, you know, OK, what am I uh, what are the other circumstances? Am I just on the phone because, you know, I'm, I'm you know, running some errands or I'm, you know, talking to someone or I'm under significant stress sure. being on the phone? So th there are many elements here. Again, we're all exposed to electromagnetic waves wherever yes. we are. Yeah. So now, of course, putting you know, a smartphone or a phone, you know, on your ear, you know, a lot of times can have an effect. But again, we don't have yet enough information sure. to really make that determination. Okay. And speaking of electronics, sometimes when I binge watch my shows yeah. on a TV, <laughs> I find myself getting a headache and nauseous yeah. watching TV for yeah. too long. Yeah. So, what is that? Yeah. So <laughs> again, it, it, I, the best way to kind of actually, uh, you know, 
talk about this yes. would be really to think about how, 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 how do we react when we're sitting in front of a TV? So we're really tensed. We're really focused. So there's a lot of eye straining. There is a lot of, you know, sometimes <laughs> eating. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, again, you're, uh, you know, there's, you know, some uh, uh, sort of inner, inner physiologic changes, you know, when we're excited about watching a show. We need to look at other factors. But, yeah, but, but, but what's interesting is if somebody is predisposed to migraines or headaches, then, then again, it could be absolutely an important sure. element when you, when you watch too much TV. Right. Migraineurs, I mean, a big uh, trigger for them is uh, no, uh, noise and sound. Uh, sorry, noise and light. So that can, so that can, so that can be a factor. So if somebody is predisposed to migraines and they're sitting in front of a screen with bright lights and loud sounds, it could trigger their migraines as sure, well. Sure. So if you're predisposed to having migraines or frequent headaches, then yes, sitting in front of a TV for a long time can be uh, uh, can induce the headaches. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I know we talked a little bit about treatments. Yeah. Um, now, I read somewhere as well that the most opioid users yeah. are headache sufferers. Yes. So I want to talk about that. And then if there's any um, natural remedy or coping mechanism yeah. um, that you can uh, talk about that yeah. don't include drugs. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up uh, you know, the, the question about opiates when it comes to addicts because I want to be very clear about that. Uh, there is no role for any kind of opiate to treat any headache disorder. So oh. opiates are not recommended for headaches in general. Okay. Uh, in fact, some of the studies we know, and they're very clear, uh, really demonstrate that you know, if, a migraineurs, if migraineurs use any amount of opiates, they are at risk of developing what we call uh, rebound headaches or medication overuse headaches. Wow. So opiates can actually worsen migraines and headaches, and, and, and yes, make it worse. Right. Now, what about uh, sort of you know, natural ways to cope with that? There's, there are many, and, and a lot of patients do really well with this. Mindfulness is, 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 is big and really patients do really well understanding, you know, their body responses, relaxation uh, techniques, biofeedback, yoga, phenomenal. So again, a lot of these, uh, you know, remedies can, 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 you know, reduce the stress level, reduce somebody's pain and reduce headache frequency as well. So when you say mindfulness, just to be clear, it's meditation, meditation, kind of sitting down, maybe like going yeah. hiking and Absolutely. forest therapy. Absolutely. Like stuff. Yeah. But again, back to opiates, especially uh, that we face, uh, you know, an incredible crisis with the opiate use in, in, in America right now. Uh, like I can tell you in our center, we rarely use opiates for any headache disorder unless really there are other medical conditions where, where, where you really limit it in terms of what you can give patients. Mm -hmm. But there is no role for opiates when wow. it comes to uh, managing headaches. It's very informative. Thank yeah. you. Thank My, you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, we are all out of time, but yeah. if there's anything else that you want to talk about or tell our uh, viewers. Uh, no, again, uh, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. One thing I would want to add for a lot of patients that do experience headache is really to pay attention to how much over-the-counter painkillers they use as well. So mm -hmm. simple, it, since we just talked about rebound and medication overuse headache, if somebody has a history of migraines or they're uh, uh, predisposed to having migraines, uh, they can have actually more headaches if they use too much over-the-counter painkillers. And wow. patients often don't know that. So I'll hear from patients that they've been taking, you know, Excedrin migraine or any over-the-counter medication, you know, three, four times a week. And then they say, well, then over time I started having more headaches. And there is a reason for that. So even just consuming too much over-the-counter painkillers can have an effect as well in increasing somebody's headache frequency. So what is too much? Too much, usually our rule is uh, no more than twice a week. 
No more than twice well, a week. Yeah, very, yeah. Very good and that's help. where the preventive strategy, we discuss the preventive strategy when patients say, well, I'm having, you know, three, four headache days uh, a week. Right. And that's when we try to find the appropriate preventive strategy to reduce the frequency and uh, to, uh, uh, to allow patients not to take too much over-the-counter painkillers. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you, Thank so you. Much, Thanks Dr. for having Isabel, me. For joining Thank us you. Today. And thanks again to all of our listeners and viewers who joined us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For an appointment with a headache specialist or for more information, you can call 216-636-5860 or toll-free 866-588-2264. Or you can visit us online at clevelandclinic.org slash headache. And to listen to more of our health essentials podcast from our Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org slash H-E podcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And for more health tips, news, and information from Cleveland Clinic, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you. See you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic health essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.